Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Rich Klein. I'm going to let Rich ask me some questions about what I do besides collecting and messing with sports cards, but there's a little bit of overlap, but uh, thanks, Rich, for being here. Thanks also to sponsors, Topps, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huntington Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, Rich's employer, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, our former home in the hobby. So, Rich, uh, you have asked me, I think you've had some touch with this. I started doing this 26 years ago, doing the pro bono consulting. I did it a lot in the boardroom of our other office and then the boardroom of where I moved to and then now here back in my boardroom behind my house. So you've heard about it. You've seen some of it in action. You've actually been the recipient, I think. But uh, you had some questions about it. Other people have asked about it. What would you like to know? I am well, a pro bono consultant. Well, the first thing was... and. I heard about this when you did this interview with I Used to Be Somebody, that yeah, really cool yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it struck me as interesting because you gave me, our synagogue is going through a period of transition. Because we went all virtual during the pandemic, we're still looking to build our building, but right now we're like the Israelis were in the desert for 40 years after Moses led us all out of Egypt. I gave you some background information. And we had a quick phone meeting, which to me was a pro bono consulting meeting. And I had a meeting with the Brotherhood Board, and they agreed 100% with your guidance. So that was good that your guidance is still pretty much dead on, not that I expected anything less. But in that case, you knew me, you knew the show, you knew a lot, and you just said, do it this way. I think you should do it this way. So you had some background going in. But in a lot of times you do the pro bono consulting, you may not know as much details. How do you prepare for such a meeting? I think preparation is, I'm not going to say it's overrated. That would be a disservice to anybody that's still in school. Preparation and homework is required. But so many things in life, the preparation is not always what you think it is. It's not necessarily cramming for a meeting. There's some general information that you have just from being observant person that life and decisions are made certain ways. There's no course that I went to learn how to own or manage a company. And yet you're thrown into that. And I did have some, you know, consulting where I helped companies and government agencies uh, try to get out of their legal issues when they'd messed up in their, in their employment discrimination class actions. I, I talked about that. So I think there's some general knowledge. Uh, there's some specific knowledge if it's there, but you know, a lot of times, Rich, you, there's not home there. You couldn't give me a one page executive. So actually you probably did. You, you probably I, the way did. I did. I actually have a little foundation for this and it's called the Shine Advisory Foundation. And Shine is a acronym for S is strategic, H is hosting and hospitality, I is interactive and intercessory, N is networking, E is encouragement. So the short form is strategic encouragement. So in your situation, I wanted to give you strategic advice of an encouraging nature. But that doesn't mean I'm going to encourage you to push harder to get your way of what you thought was best, even though I think you're very level-headed and you've done a great service for your synagogue. And, and who would be against that except that there are other aspects to that that come into it. So I want to encourage the person that you're an amazing guy, but even an amazing guy can have a wrong strategy. So the strategic encouragement is to encourage somebody in a direction that I think will have uh, lasting positive results. And for this, if you were to come to me and I have great affection for you right. and you're quite bright, but if you said, you know what, I've got a solution. Instead of going from at the Adat Havarim in our synagogue location, we're going to rent out the convention center for the show that has 30 tables. So Rich, hey, that's, that's too big a step. I, I wouldn't want to rain on your parade except that I would be raining on your parade, but I don't want to rain on you. And people do that sometimes. I've had meetings where people come and they have this, they think, you started a business, and so I'm going to start a business. And your business was successful, so my business is going to be successful. And I'll ask them, tell me about your idea. 
And they said, I've read that I'm just going to get started and I'm going to figure it out. Isn't that what you did? I said, actually, no, that's not what I did. I had done these other things in advance and it looked like this had a good chance to be successful. But yeah, but didn't you have to pivot? And I said, yeah, you pivot. But a lot of those pivots are of necessity because you get a roadblock and you better have a backup idea because things don't always work. I've always had a boardroom, it seems. And so all this started when I had a big boardroom and I could invite people to have meetings and a lot of the meetings that we've had of the pro bono are, are, are one-on-one or two-on-one or, or very small. But some are bigger. But at a board table, it's good to give everybody a chance to be heard and do it in a way that it's not group think or group speak. And so I try to moderate in a way that if, if 11 people agree on something and one disagrees, in most meetings, in a lot of settings, that one person is quashed. And I'm thinking, if this person's got the courage to say, hey, wait a minute, what about this? And sometimes I'm that person. And even though it's a low probability thing, sometimes it's something that needs to be said or heard. So you prepare by not preparing. What I mean well, by I'll that is... I prepare as much as I can, but knowing that I can't prepare completely. The other thing is, so it sounds like you're also a big fan of reading the person, of understanding. I can even hear this on the phone when you're interviewing people for the first time. You get pretty quickly into what they're all about in sometimes one or two questions, which is pretty amazing. Was that based on the fact you had all these, when you were the CEO of Beckett? and you own the company, you had to have a lot of meetings. Yeah. Did that really give you the guidance to hey, understand a lot of the principles of the interpersonal relationship thereof? I think there's different kinds of listening. There's the silent listening, which I don't practice. (laughs) So I'm more of an interactive listener, and I basically feel two things. One is that what people don't want to talk about frequently is what they do need to talk about. So what they don't say is also important, kind of like in the price guide of what you don't see for sale. Maybe it's because it's hard to find. Yeah. And then we got a situation where somebody has an issue and they can't articulate it, I'm not going to let them stew around on it. I'm going to ask a pointed question. So part of my listening is to ask questions, or sometimes I don't even ask questions. I'll make a statement into a question. Is What I'm hearing or what I'm thinking is maybe this is the case. They would never answer it that way, but now they're forced to say, no, that's not it. Or now that you say, maybe that could be it. My goal is always in these one-hour consultations, because if you're a pro bono consultant, you can't give all day. But if you give somebody an hour, my goal is to conduct about a two-hour meeting in that hour and get as much accomplished as two hours in a one-hour setting by moving it along and trying not to be rude, but trying to push it along that I don't need 50 minutes for somebody to describe the the problem and then leaving 10 minutes for the, the solution. I want 10 minutes to describe the problem and then 50 minutes to brainstorm about the solution. I've always been impressed by humanity. We won't mention the person's name, but there was a person who used money they shouldn't have had when they were working for you. And their car broke down on one of the highways and we did it. It set up a whole series of events, including he wrote me an account closed check and you met with him privately after he got let go. And I think you even gave him like an extra paycheck trying to help him get himself back into gear. And you met with him for the hour afterwards. And he was very impressed before he left the area. He was very impressed by everything you did. In a way, that was a not just a pro bono meeting, but almost like the shine. That Was that like one of the first shine type of thing? Maybe. It doesn't have to have a label on it. It's just that people are... You ask about the preparation in Richmond, there's just not preparation because you can't know what the situation is. Right. Like I said, there's no degree. I guess there's a management degree, but even in management, they don't teach you how to teach before was, you teach. You went, you went to Harvard Business School. I went to Harvard for do 14 they, years. Do they even, and, t- do they even well, teach you anything like it's this? Not, it's teaching, but it's case methods. So they'll okay. give you a case... And you'll bat it around in your small group. You'll discuss it in front of the professor. I remember sitting, I'm in the class there. And there's 60 other CEOs, presidents of companies at this program. And it's one week uh, a year. 
And so some of the same guys there and some of the same professors and minding my own business. And, and there's this case about, I don't know what it was about, but some internet something. And I, I was looking out the window and the professor calls on me and said, hey, you don't think this case has anything to do about baseball cards? I went, what? <laughs> I was outed. It was a long time ago. But everything relates to everything. And again, we think that our industry is not a microcosm in any meaningful way that it's similar. But like I said, human nature is human nature. Even though there's companies out there that don't make a profit for a long time, eventually they're expected to make a profit. Out of all the meetings you've ever had, is there one that you say, I'm really proud of how I helped this person turn their company around or their business around or even themselves around? One of the most famous meetings is a terrible one, but the guy now would do a testimonial. He said, I've got this great idea. Not working yet, but it's going to work. I said, it's not going to work. And he said, that's the meanest thing. you could." I said, that's not mean if it's true. I said, I think what you're trying to do is not going to work and you're throwing good money after bad. Basically, this guy was such a great salesperson that he was good enough to keep it almost afloat. And I said, you're so good if you were doing your opportunity loss, if you were selling anything else other than this product of yours that's not working, you would be doing great. And uh, he lost his home. Oh no! <laughs> he borrowed money. He did a second mortgage, all his stuff, and he lost his home. Now he's built it back up and he thinks I'm uh, you know, a wonderful guy. He said, you warned me. You were the only one that warned me. I said, I'm not a prophet. Uh, Old Testament prophets, if they're wrong, they get stoned. <laughs> so I'm never saying I'm a prophet, but I was looking at it, I said, I want this to work, but it's not going to work. And I have a math kind of brain. I said, the numbers are not in your favor. I'll tell you what it was. It was a project that required men to be avid readers. That's it was a magazine about men for men. I said, I won't say men don't read. The joke is they only look at the pictures. <laughs> but uh, it's. I just said, it's not going to work. And he said, yeah, but it's about ready to turn the corner and, and I'm going to take out a second mortgage. I said, I said, don't do that. I said, it's really hard to pull the plug on something. I would have great trouble in pulling the plug on something. And so I don't know that I'm proud about that, Rich, but it, it just shows people can lose perspective when they get really close to something. And I, I feel like I've lost perspective at times when I'm really close to something. So having some good friends, they don't have to have specific knowledge, but if they have general knowledge, they're all around smart uh, guys for the most part. And they have zero axe to grind. I had no competitive spirit for this guy that I didn't want his great success. But I, I thought you're, it's not going to work. Okay. And when it doesn't work, you're going to feel bad. Okay. So hearing that the first year of Beckett Monthly, the sales were flat. You lost money for two years. Yeah. You lost money for two years. If you met yourself for a meeting a year and a half into it, knowing you've lost money, knowing you're very popular within your business, but you're not making money. What would Jim Beckett today say, Jim Beckett uh, 35 years ago? I, I had people telling me, what the heck are you doing? Okay. Actually, the reason I do the Shine, the pro bono consulting is that it's never prescriptive. Even though I was pretty directive to this guy that was trying to do something that wasn't going to work, it's still considered provocative. I'm provoking him to really think hard and long that I'm interceding for him. I'm, I'm trying to be the wise uncle and saying, I, I don't think this is an investable idea. I don't think it's going to work. I think you need to cut your losses. And so not having an ax to grind, there, there's no reason. So I had people with no ax to grind telling me, and I'd like to think it wasn't arrogance. I just knew this was going to work. So how am I different from the other guy? Here's the difference is that Everybody told me I was crazy. Okay. <laughs> and with him, everybody told him he was going down the right path except for me. Okay. That's what's different mm. because he's such a great guy. He's a wonderful guy. And I, I still see him and he, he's happy to see me. He doesn't turn the other way. But everybody told him this was going to work. 
And it wouldn't. And I was the only one that told him it wouldn't. Nobody told me, maybe my mom and dad. Hey, mom and dad, thanks. There were some people that, that believed in me, but like the strategic encouragement, they didn't quite get how this was going to work. A baseball card magazine? And you're going to make it nicer? And you're going to make it more glossy? You remember what was out there at the time? Oh, boy, yes. So they were off like overkill. Why are you putting this into it? And prices don't change every month. Now they change every, every hour. <laughs> um, so they thought I was crazy. And so I'm willing to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's not necessarily the popular message. I think that's a great note to end on, that you're willing to be... And it's like ties in an in, amicable way. Right. It ties into what we were talking about, the discount boxes. Yeah. It's okay to be the contrarian and... In a non-confrontational way, help, at least into the best of your knowledge, guide someone to what you believe is the right decision. I have mastered the art of giving advice that is not received <laughs> and not having any hard feelings. Because right. I'll see these same people and they're sheepish. I'm not. I'm just saying, I, I shot straight with you from where I was at the time. Sometimes they'll come back and you know, Joe Galindo, he's also yeah. very amiable. And it's like, I wish I would have listened. Not Joe, but I'm saying Joe was there for some of these yeah. meetings and would say, and we they'll, touched they'll, upon that sheepishly, in the... I, I wish I'd listened, but they didn't have that perspective. So the provocative thing, I was trying to get them to think about it in a different way. We touched upon this a little when you and I discussed faith a long time ago, yeah. Mike Goulat. And, I, and it was very intense because I didn't prep you properly, and I apologize well, for that. Okay. But I think this is part of what we wanted in that conversation, yeah. is that in a way you also, and I, I don't mean you used your faith, but you use some aspects of it to help guide you to on that. Absolutely. No, you know, and it's, it's mostly Christian. We've had Jewish clients <laughs> besides you, Rich, and other agnostic or perhaps atheist. In their faith walk, I, I don't like people that are completely oppositional. Yeah. If somebody's open, then I'm, I'm happy to help on whatever basis they want to receive. And if they don't receive it, they still gave of their time to yeah. listen. And I, I listened. I gave them an hour. They gave me an hour. They were vulnerable to, hey, here's an issue. I don't know how to resolve it. And I'd say, have you thought about this? And they'll think, no, I haven't thought about that. And I'll think about it. And then a year later, they come back and say, what was that you were saying again? <laughs> because it did, you know, what I didn't do what you said. And, and now I want to rethink it again. I'm happier to say our meeting took 10 minutes over the phone. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and shorter is better. Shorter is better. Uh, that's good. Okay. Thank okay. you, Jim. I well, appreciate that. Thanks, Rich. And thanks, everybody. Again, just it's one of the ways I spend time and enjoy it. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. Bye. The man in the house of cards The man in the house of cards The man in the house of cards Is doing